the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. So as God here is talking about this judgment that's going to come upon the land, He also has the promise of restoration. And we see here with God that He has this promise of a second chance. He's the God of the new beginning. And he forgives sins. And He gives us a new start. Aren't you glad for that? That even though we can sin and we can mess things up in our own lives, God will bring restoration. He'll bring a new start for us, a new beginning for us. His mercies are new every morning. Do you ever feel like no matter what you say or do, you always tend to screw things up? Sometimes it feels like life is just made up of trial after trial and struggle after struggle. But today, Pastor Dan reminds us of the rest and the peace that can be found in Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, where you come from, or what you've done, God knows and loves you all the same. He offers rest for the weary and hope for the hopeless, and He offers new beginnings to anyone who is willing to follow Him. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 27, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. God asks us to do something we don't really want to do, well, that's when we have to walk by faith and not by sight, and we don't want to walk by our feelings. That's also when we fall back on what we do know about God. We know that God loves us so much that He sent His Son into the world to die on the cross for us. We know the promise that He works all things together for our good, and He wants to use that difficult path for our good to make us more like Jesus Christ, and so we trust the Lord With all our hearts, we walk by faith, not by sight, believing God loves us, believing God has a good plan. In all of this, we don't lean on our own understanding because we can understand it. And how often in a situation like that do we say, I don't understand why God's asking me to do this. I don't understand why God wants me to go this direction. Well, you're not supposed to lean upon your understanding. And we also, we we pray each step of the way through that difficult path. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Here's the promise. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. And God's peace, which surpasses all understanding. That means it doesn't make sense. It's a time in your life when you shouldn't have peace. 
will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Something else these verses show us, these verses show us that not taking God's path is far worse than taking His path, as difficult as His path may be. The consequences of not taking God's path and rebelling against His plan is much more painful. It's a much more painful way to go. We see that in verse 8. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. We are always better off in God's will. We are always better off in God's will than walking in rebellion against His will. Even when His will is difficult. Even when everything in our flesh is saying, I don't want to go that way. You're better off in His will than rebelling against His will. These verses also have application for us regarding how we should respond to an ungodly government or an ungodly ruler. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan. He's a pagan king. He's ungodly. He was brutal. And yet God told His people to submit to His authority. And as Christians, we're commanded to submit to the government and those in power, whether they're godly or not, whether we agree with them politically or not, whether we like them or not, we are commanded to submit to those that are in authority. Not try to overthrow them, not rebel against them, but submit to them. And I want to show you a few verses in the New Testament. If you want to turn there with me, Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That's exactly what God is saying through Jeremiah. He's appointed Nebuchadnezzar. That Nebuchadnezzar is my servant, he says. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. That's verse 8 of chapter 27. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake, because the Lord tells you to. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Again, he doesn't say anything here about whether they're godly or ungodly, or whether you voted for them or didn't vote for them. We're just to submit to them. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What's good? Praying. Praying for kings. Praying for those in authority. 
Verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So here we're told that we should pray for those in authority, for the king. And remember at this time, Caesar's king. And he's telling the believers to pray for Caesar. Now, go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, because God commands you to. Again, whether you agree with the government or the person in power, you do it for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so again, we see submit to those in authority, those in power, every ordinance of man, and we do it for the Lord's sake. Now, of course, we're fortunate enough that we live in a democracy where we have the right to vote, And we have the freedom of assembly and the freedom of speech and all of those things. I'm not saying don't exercise your freedom. I'm just saying as Christians, we submit to the government. We're good citizens. The only exception I would add to that is if the government asks you to do something that violates God's word. Then it's better to obey God than man. But otherwise, we submit to the government. And here back in Jeremiah 27... God is telling his people to submit to an ungodly ruler, a very ungodly king. That's God's will. He goes on now back in chapter 27, verse 9. At this point, again, he's speaking to those surrounding nations, Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, Sidon. He says to them in verse 9, Therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, or those who interpret dreams, your soothsayers, your sorcerers who speak to you saying, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. Uh, Just as, as Judah had prophets, these other pagan nations around them, they had diviners and those who interpreted dreams and soothsayers and sorcerers that they looked to to give them guidance. And Jeremiah says to these nations, do not listen to them when they tell you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. And so as Jeremiah is preaching this message from God, there's also this false message. Jeremiah is saying, take the yoke of Babylon upon you, submit to Babylon. But there's these false messengers who are saying, don't serve the king of Babylon. Don't do that. For they prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from your land. That's what's going to happen if you obey them. And I will drive you out and you will perish But the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell in it. Now in verse 12, beginning in verse 12, Jeremiah declares the same message to Zedekiah, the king of Judah. I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon. And serve him and his people and live. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence 
as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. Therefore, do not listen to the words of the prophets. This would be false prophets who speak to you saying, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie. For I have not sent them, says Yahweh. Yet they prophesy a lie in my name that I may drive you out and that you may perish, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. You know, one of the things that characterized Judah just before their judgment, so in the last days of Judah, was spiritual confusion. It's a very confusing time. There are a lot of people at that time who are claiming to speak for God. But they have contradicting messages. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. You've got someone like Jeremiah and the other prophets, the true prophets, who are saying, submit to Babylon. But then you've got all these other voices, all of these other people claiming to be speaking for God, who are saying, no, don't submit to Babylon. It's very confusing. Who do you listen to? Who's right? How do you know? Well, the Bible tells us that in the last days, meaning the the last days of this age that we live in, that it will also be a very confusing time spiritually. It'll be a deceptive time spiritually. It will be marked by spiritual confusion and spiritual deception in the world. Jesus himself even said in the last days, false Christs and false prophets will arise And they will do great signs and wonders, deceiving people. And many will be deceived by them and follow their destructive ways. Paul said in the last days, the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. But to suit their own desires, they will gather around them teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. And so the last days will be confusing spiritually. It will be a confusing time in the world, just as it was in the last days of Judah. That's a mark of the last days. And so now verse 16, we come to verse 16. Jeremiah now warns the priests and the people. So he just warned Zedekiah the king. Now he's going to warn the priests and the people, beginning in verse 16. Also I spoke to the priests and to all this people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Do not listen to the words of your prophets, who prophesied to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. Now, as I've mentioned in a previous study, the Babylonians invaded the land of Judah three separate occasions. On their first invasion, they took some of the gold, some of the gold vessels from the temple. 
and carried it away to Babylon. And that's what he's referring to here, these false prophets. Some of the false prophets were saying that God told them that the vessels would be brought back from Babylon and returned to Jerusalem shortly. Now, why are they saying this at this time? Well, we know historically from other historical records outside of the Bible. In particular, there's something called the Babylonian Chronicles, which were tablets of stone that recorded the history of Babylon. We know from those tablets that at this same time, there's a revolt that breaks out in Babylon. The Babylonian people began to revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. And they try to overthrow the king. And so Nebuchadnezzar has to suppress this revolt in his own country. And it seems that some of the people in Judah saw that revolt as a sign of the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And they think this is it. That his reign's going to end. And once his reign ends, then all of the vessels from the temple will be returned to us. And it's not going to be long now. The problem is he's not overthrown. He's able to suppress the revolt and continue ruling. Jeremiah says they prophesy a lie to you. They're lying to you. Verse 17, he says, do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city, Jerusalem, be laid waste? Then he says in verse 18, But if they are prophets, and if the word of Yahweh is with them, let them now make intercession to Yahweh of hosts, that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah, and at Jerusalem, do not go to Babylon. He says here, hey, if they are prophets, let them pray that the remaining vessels in the temple and in the king's palace and in Jerusalem are not carried away to Babylon also. For thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, the pillars of the temple, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, and concerning the remainder of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take when he carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. Remember, Jeconiah was one of the kings, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and Jerusalem. They shall be carried to Babylon. And there they shall be. Until the day that I visit them, says the Lord, then I will bring them up and return them to this palace. The false prophets are saying, hey, the vessels that were taken, they're going to be returned to us in a short time. It's not going to be long now. We'll get all those vessels back as soon as Nebuchadnezzar's overthrown. It's all coming back to us. And Jeremiah says, no, in fact, the Babylonians are going to come again and they're going to take what's left and they're going to carry it all away to Babylon, and it's going to be in Babylon until after the captivity. And then, verse 22, it'll be brought back. So chapter 27, it ends here in verse 22 with a note of hope for the future. Even though it's all going to be carried away to Babylon, the Lord promises to bring all those vessels back and restore the temple. And this is going to be fulfilled after the captivity in Ezra chapter 1, verses 7 to 11. If you're taking notes, jot that down. 
Cyrus, the king of Persia, will give an order to return back to the land and to bring all of these vessels back. And so as God here is talking about this judgment that's going to come upon the land, he also has the promise of restoration. And we see here with God that he has this promise of a second chance. He's the God of the new beginning. That he forgives sins and he gives us a new start. Aren't you glad for that? That even though we can sin and we can mess things up in our own lives, God will bring restoration. He'll bring a new start for us, a new beginning for us. His mercies are new every morning. Now chapter 28 continues with the same theme as chapter 27. It says in verse 1, And it happened in that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people. So this guy Hananiah confronts Jeremiah in the temple, in front of everybody, just there in the temple courts. And we don't know anything about this guy Hananiah, except what's mentioned here. This is the only place in the Old Testament that this guy's mentioned. So all we know about him is he's the son of Azor. Uh, He's from Gibeon. Gibeon was one of the cities of the priests, for the priests. And so he may have been a priest. This is where the priests live. We can't say that for sure. He's not really mentioned anywhere else in the Old Testament. This is all that is said about him. He confronts Jeremiah and the temple. Notice he says he spoke to me in the house of the Lord. Verse 2 tells us what Hananiah said to Jeremiah. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Hananiah says, thus says Yahweh. (laughs) So he's in Jeremiah's face in front of everybody, the priests and the people, and says, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, says Yahweh, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hananiah claims to speak for the Lord. And he says the exact opposite of Jeremiah. Now remember, Jeremiah's wearing this yoke. And he's wearing this yoke around town. He's there in the temple. He's got the yoke on. And Jeremiah is saying, you're supposed to submit to the yoke of Babylon. And Hananiah now comes along and says, actually, Jeremiah, you've got it all wrong. Really, what the Lord is saying through that yoke is that he's going to break the yoke of Babylon. Now, what does this show us? One of the things this shows us is just because someone says that they're speaking on behalf of the Lord doesn't mean they're really speaking on behalf of the Lord. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, or someone says, the Lord gave me a word, doesn't mean they're speaking for the Lord necessarily. You have to test it against the word of God. And sometimes uh, you have to wait and see if it comes to pass. Maybe they're speaking for the Lord. Maybe they're not. It'll be exciting if they are, but we're going to wait and see. And that's how you handle that kind of thing. When someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got a word for you. Well, praise the Lord. Let's see. He asked me how I know. 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile. But think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.